0: When God created the heavens and the earth and when he placed man on the earth, sin was not present. It was a perfect environment. It's, it's, it's stunning to read in Genesis chapter one and chapter two, what life must have been like. <clears throat> they had a perfect relationship with almighty God They had a perfect relationship with the animal kingdom. They had a perfect relationship with one another. It it had to be just an amazing, stunning way to live. By the way, we have those days coming again. I just wanna promise you and assure you. There is coming a day, and it's not that far away, when there's gonna be a new heaven and a new earth For the first heaven and the first earth will pass away, and there'll be no more sea, and there'll be no more sin, there'll be no more sorrow, there'll be no more tears, there'll be no more sickness, there'll be no more disease. The lion and the lamb will play together, the asp and the child will play together, life will be perfect again. And there'll be no drug dealers, and there'll be no bank robbers, and there'll be no abuse, there'll be no verbal abuse, there'll be no physical abuse, there'll be no rape, there'll be no incest, there'll be no drug addictions, there'll be no alcohol addictions. We will have no more corrupt politicians. It will be a good life. (laughs) It will be perfect. And that's what it was like on the earth before man sinned. But when Adam and Eve sinned, they sent the world plummeting. And the end result of that is talked about in Genesis chapter 6. When the scripture talks about what life was like on planet earth, when every thought or when every imagination of their thought was only evil continually. Look with me at the culture during the time of Noah. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Would, would you read that with me again, please? That's stunning. Every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Do you ever wonder if, if there's not a lot of folks like that today? I don't get, I don't get what's coming out of Hollywood today. I don't get it. I, I can't imagine thinking of that level of evil and being able to then portray it. What, what, are, they, what are they thinking? Why do we feel like we have to fill children's cartoons with that kind of language and that kind of revealing debauchery. Why do we have to do that? Why do we have to have children's cartoons that talks about body noises and all that gunk? Why? It is only because we're reaching this condition again. Scary thought. But look at what else was going on. They... They were gorging themselves with their appetites. To they, they were literally satiating themselves with every appetite they could imagine. And then homosexual and lesbian relationships had become the norm. But it went a step further And this brought God's judgment. And the step further was this. Mankind began seeking relationships with the demonic. And as mankind began pursuing relationships with the demonic, and as the demonic began pursuing relationships with mankind, God said, enough. Now the good news is, in the midst of this culture that had gone totally corrupt to the, to the worst degree, God had a man. God had a man whose heart was after righteousness. God had a man whose heart knew him, loved him, sought him with his whole being. And it was that man that God then used to redeem the earth. And God called Noah and said, Noah, I, there's something coming that you don't know about, that no one knows about, but it's coming. I want you to prepare for it. I want you to build an ark. Now, I want to remind you, there had never been rain on the earth. The earth was completely sub-irrigated. The great caverns that you see, the the Carlsbad caverns, and and the great caverns that are in Montana over near Three Rivers, and and those massive underground caverns that are miles and miles in size, it is because at one time beneath the surface of the earth, there were these gigantic lakes, and the whole planet earth was sub-irrigated. And then above planet Earth was this canopy of water that created a perfect atmosphere. And when you study carefully, you realize that's where dinosaurs came from. Mankind is not millions and billions of years old. There is a young Earth that's only about 6,000 years old. The reason that there was that was because the Earth was a perfect atmosphere. Mankind lived to be 800, 900 years old. I can't imagine celebrating your 80th birthday and realizing you're just a kid. Grandpa over there is 754 years old. Imagine, you know. But when you've got a perfect atmosphere, life on earth was extended. There was this incredibly perfect atmosphere and and there was no need for rain because everything was like subtropical. And God said, there's going to come rain. Noah must have went, what's that? What's rain? Well, water falls from the sky. You're kidding. Water falls from the sky. But God was pre-warning Noah because God was about to cleanse the earth from the corruption that had gone on. And so God says, Noah, I want you to build an ark for the saving of your family. For the saving of your family. I want you to build an ark for the saving of your family. And Noah this righteous man of God began to prepare himself, he began to prepare his family, and he began to build this ark. It would take him 120 years to build this ark, but he began building it. Go back to the first slide for me, would you please? Go back to slide number one for me. I want you to see this replica of the ark that that has been built. Maybe we won't, but uh, there we go. This, this, This is not a doctored picture. This is a replica that a man built of the ark, taking all of the dimensions and all of that that's in the Holy Scripture, and this is what the ark must have looked like. I've always kind of wondered what it was like to have all the animals two by two coming on there, you know? and you know telling the rabbits only two only two and and um you know getting those that it uh it it must have been interesting you know you got you got you got the lions coming on board and and going no 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 you don't get to follow the sheep lions you got to go down at the far end you know it's what an interest you ever thought about that And then, have you ever thought it was what it was like for Mrs. Noah to live on a boat like this with all that noise? You got the elephants. You got—I mean, come on! You got the elephants, the lions. You know, you got—you got the donkeys. I mean, oh, crazy, crazy, right? Just insanity. But God prepared this not just for the saving of the animals. Noah was preparing it for the saving of his family. Now, Jesus gave us an interesting warning. Would you go with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24? First book of the New Testament, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. The Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24. Holler amen when you're there. Okay, look at verse 37. Now, if you, if you have one of those kind of Bibles that has the words of Jesus in red, you're going to notice these words are in red. It is because the Lord Jesus himself is speaking here, and he says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be the coming of the Son of Man. Now, I want you to notice what Jesus is saying. There's going to come a day in the end times when the culture of the world is going to be like it was at the time of Noah. It's going to be like it was at the time of Noah. When every imagination of their thought will only be evil continually. When the whole goal and the and the aim of people is going to be to satiate themselves with pleasure, and they're going to they're 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 going to invent ways to fill themselves with pleasure like mankind has never known. And here's the tragedy, folks: when, when you leave God out of education. When you remove the Word of God from education, mankind will become more educated, but they will simply become more educated in ways to do evil. Because it is the Word of God and it is the Lord Jesus Christ that helps mankind to keep their thinking and their imagination within the boundaries of right and righteousness, so that the knowledge of mankind is not to make them more expert at doing evil, but to make them more expert at doing good. But when you take God out of education, then mankind's imagination no longer has the boundaries of righteousness and good. And so his imagination becomes larger and larger in how to do evil until every imagination of his thought is only evil continually. And so you have people who, rather than going out and doing a job, they would rather sit at home and figure out ways to break into people's accounts and figure out how to steal their identity. I don't get it. And so people are constantly thinking of better ways to make poison that will addict people so that they will give their very life to put more of that poison into their system. And we think of of more inventive ways to advertise stuff that makes people drunk and lose control of their life and destroy themselves and destroy other families. And so the imagination is used to create corruption instead of the incredible imagination that God has given to people to create wonderful beauty. If you really want to get a picture of this sometime, study the difference between the Renaissance and the Reformation. The Renaissance... Came out of Florence, Italy, and was rooted in the philosophy and the teachings of uh, um, uh, of the Greek philosophers Socrates, Plato, Aristotle. Aristotle was the homosexual playmate of 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 uh, Plato. Plato was the homosexual playmate of Socrates. It was all rooted in humanism. It gave rise to the arts of Leonardo da Vinci and Michelangelo and the teachings and the writings of Voltaire and Rousseau that gave birth to the French Revolution and the guillotine. On the other hand, out of Germany came the Reformation. The Reformation was rooted not in humanism, but in the gospel of Jesus Christ and the redemptive work of Jesus Christ and the righteousness of Almighty God. And it gave birth to Bach and Handel and the beautiful, the beautiful artwork that came out of Holland. And, and and France. And it gave rise to the American Revolution and the greatest nation and the greatest economy in the history of mankind. But also the most generous economy in the history of mankind. If you've never done it, just get on Google and search out for the last hundred years who restored... The rebuilding after every earthquake, tsunami, floods, and wars of the last century. And see who underwrote it. It was the generous economy of the United States. Why? Because we were birthed out of the Reformation. It is because for the first hundred years, And 50 years in America, our education was rooted in the Word of God and the righteousness of Jesus Christ. So our imagination was not to do evil. Our imagination was how can we make life better? How can we have better hospitals? How can we have better medicine? How can we have a free society where mankind can live truly free and healthy? Have we made mistakes along the way? Of course we have. But dear ones, the difference is in this culture, we have corrected our mistakes and we've asked forgiveness and we've tried to rebuild from it. And so when we've had war, we've rebuilt the nations that we destroyed in the war. Why? Because we do good. But we have thrown God out now. For the last 50 years, we have thrown God out of our education. Actually, it's a little longer than that now. And our imagination is going crazy. And now, good has become evil. To the point that our Pentagon is just about to make it a court-martialing offense to share your Christian faith with anyone, including the chaplains. What kind of nonsense is that? And they are going, if it, if it passes, they're going to make it an offense equal to rape. It's unbelievable where we're going with our culture. Next slide for me, please. The family is under attack. Miss Spear, who is a professor at Tulane University, she's also a host on one of the programs on on MSNBC, Uh, she made this statement just a few weeks ago. Let me read it for you in case the print might be a little small for you. It says this. This isn't about me wanting to take your kids, and this isn't even about whether children are property, she said. This is about whether we as a society expressing our collective will through our public institutions, including our government, have a right to impinge on individual freedoms in order to advance a common good. That is exactly the fight that we have been having for a couple of hundred years. We've always had kind of a private notion of children. Your kids is yours. Your responsibility. We haven't had a very collective notion of these are our children. So part of it is we have to break through our kind of private idea that kids belong to their parents or kids belong to their families and recognize that kids belong to the whole communities. Really? Is that what you thought when you gave birth to your children? That they belong to the state? And it's the state responsibility to take care of them? And that that the children need to be freed from your parental responsibility and authority? Is that what you've always thought? Is that what scripture teaches? Or is this some sort of a collective socialist idea? The family is under serious attack. One of the very highly esteemed public spokespersons for the homosexual community is a lesbian who was raised in Russia and educated here in the U.S. and she's now a public speaker that goes all around all around the world. And in 2012, in a speech in uh, in Sydney, uh, Australia, this is what she said: "I agree, it is a no-brainer that we should have the right to marry." Okay, meaning homosexuals and lesbians. But I also think equally that it is a no brainer that the institution of marriage should not exist. She has three children by five different parents. I'm not sure how that worked. (laughs) But in her own writings, in her own writings, she says it shouldn't be two parents. There should be able to be why can't there be five parents? Why can't there be five parents? Why is there any marriage at all? Now, folks, lest lest we get this too far afield and we go, well, you know, that's crazy thinking from a homosexual or a lesbian. Folks, listen to me. The number of couples that are opting that marriage is really just an outdated institution and so we just live together and there's very little commitment. Dear ones, listen, that, that, that is not... That is not gay community specific. Marriage and family is under serious assault from the powers of darkness, trying to force us to be as it was in the times of Noah. And where they're really going for, dear ones, is they want there to be a very open, free society. Why do you think for the last 20 years, every year in our United States Congress, there has been an effort to try and get a bill passed that would make the age of consent zero? We are, we are living in a time when the family is under serious attack. And dear ones, we've got to build an ark We've got to build an ark. Does anyone know what the number one reading genre is right now for preteens and early teens, especially preteen, early teen girls? It's vampire love affairs. <laughs> love affairs with Demons. Movies that are, that are box office hits are about vampires and vampire love affairs. And, and, and it's all, folks, listen, this is, this is simply moving our culture into a love affair with the demonic. Moving us again into a culture that will embrace incubus and succubus. Dear ones, we are living in a serious time when it is time that the church got its head out of the sand and woke up and realized, why are we embracing these things as much as the world is? Why are my kids embracing? Why are we entertaining ourselves with these movies about demons? Why are we in such a love affair with the demonic? Folks, it is time for us to realize the family is under attack. we got to build an ark. How do you do that? How do you go about that? You know, Heavenly Father recognized this when in the next generation after Noah, God raised up another man named Abraham, and this is what he said about Abraham. This is powerful. This is found in the book of Genesis chapter 18, and I'm going to read verses uh, 17 and 18. Listen, Listen to what God said. And the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I am doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all nations shall be blessed in him. For I have known him, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they may keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. God chose Abraham because he knew Abraham would be a man that would build an ark for his family. And he would raise up a righteous and a godly family. He knew that. And he did. Raised up Isaac. Isaac raised up Jacob. Jacob became the father of the nation of Israel. Amazing. Amazing. God had that in his heart. Listen to what God said to Moses. This is God's word to Moses. When the children of Israel were just about ready to go in to the land of promise. This was the new generation now. The old generation that had come out of Egypt. They had blown it. They had rebelled against God and and worshipped a golden calf. And they they just messed the whole thing up. And so God had the next generation come up after him. And Moses was still their leader. Moses, this is interesting. Moses, Moses became the leader of Israel at 80 years of age. And, and at 120, he's still the leader. Wow. So much retirement, Don. <clears throat> okay, here we go. All right. <laughs> Listen to what God said to Moses. Raise up kids that know the Word of God. Instead of buying them designer shirts with rock stars name on it and, and, uh, and, and solid rock cafe, get them t-shirts that have scripture on them. Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Instead of putting up rock posters, put up posters about Jesus. Put up posters about, about uh, people that, that do worship music. Come on. Come on, make it, make it as plain as the nose on your face. We started teaching our kids to quote scripture when they were still really, really little, when they were able to kind of just when they first started speaking. in fact, our our daughter Rosalind thought for a long time Psalm 23 went, "Our Lord, our Lord is my is my shepherd, shepherd. She thought this is how the whole thing went. She didn't realize that. She said it twice all her life up to that point, so she thought that's how it went. (laughs) Oh, Listen, train your children. Moses, when they're going into the land, if they're going to be the land they can be, you've got to train them from their earliest days to love God and know God and live in righteousness. What about the New Testament? Go to the book of Ephesians, chapter 6. Would you join me there, please? Ephesians, if you're still at Matthew, you're going to go to the right. You'll go past Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. You'll go past the Corinthians. Then you get to Galatians, Ephesians, okay? Ephesians, chapter 6. We're going to begin at verse 1. Ephesians, chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So I want you to understand, when you're building an ark for your family, it's not parents only. Single mom, you got to train those kids to love and respect you. My mom raised up four kids as a single mom. Now, by the time I got into like fifth, sixth grade, I was bigger than my mom. But I want to tell you something. I was afraid of my mama. You know why? she yielded a vicious pancake turner. And this not the wimpy kind like you have today, you know. This thing was made of Pittsburgh steel. It was three inches thick. And it was four feet long and it could reach around corners and slap you in the side of the head (laughs) okay I exaggerated a little bit (laughs) children I know today they'd say I was abused my mama would say I didn't abuse him enough Children, (laughs) not very politically correct, am I? Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise. Well, I got to tell you, there's an amazing promise that comes with honoring parents that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Listen, God has intended from Genesis to Revelation that in every generation of mankind there would be those men and women who would build an ark of safety for the next generation coming up. Not to shelter them so that they didn't know how to live in a real world, but they could raise up a family that could grow up in a generation that was turning its back on God and live victorious even in the midst of a wicked generation like what Noah lived in. And every generation, as you study down through time, there has been those individuals in Western Europe, in the time when the Renaissance was rife and there was the worship of the naked human body, there was a group of people called the Waldensians, amazing people in southern France that lived in a righteousness and a godliness. When they were settling the Americas and the southern end of the East Coast, Great Britain was sending over criminals, thieves, gamblers, alcoholics, and they were settling in the area in and around Jamestown and Virginia. But thank God on the northern end of that coast, there was settling a group of people who had fled England because. King James and Queen Elizabeth was murdering and killing men and women who preached the true gospel. And they had fled from England to Holland, but they could never really settle in Holland. It wasn't working. And so they prayed and they fasted and they sought God and they said, let's go to the new America and let's make a nation mighty in God. And the 20 of them, 102 of them, something like that, got on the ship Mayflower and they sailed and they settled in Massachusetts. They settled at Plymouth Rock. And they became the foundation. Folks, it was not out of Jamestown that the American culture was founded. It was out of the New England culture and the preaching of Cotton Mather and other godly men that made this nation a nation founded on the principles of Almighty God. And America became an ark of safety for mankind. Hallelujah. And I'm saying to you, Mom and Dad, From now through Father's Day, I want to teach you how to build your family, how to build your marriage, how to build your relationships in a way that it will become an arc of safety for you and your family and your grandchildren to the next generation. We want to build families that are mighty in God and in this hedonistic culture that is rapidly running to hell. And after the worship of demons, we are going to be counterculture and we're going to rise up and we're going to go upstream and we're going to sail the other direction and rescue as many people as we can on the way. There's a way to do that. What's it going to take? Let me give you three things as we wrap up this message. First of all, we got to learn the voice of God. Noah heard the word of the Lord. One of the lessons I want to teach you is how to hear the voice of God. Now, if you're going to hear the voice of God, the first thing has to happen you have to become committed to the fact that the Holy Bible is the living infallible, inerrant, absolute, true word of God. Let me borrow your scripture. Mine's on computer, except I I have my reading Bible at home, but the pages fall out of it, and so I don't bring it here. But you've got to be committed that this book is the one book on planet Earth that is infallible and inerrant. It's the absolute, true word of God. Now, I understand we read it from all different translations. Most people today are reading it from the NIV translation, which is a little easier to understand than the old King Jimmy. Okay? King Jimmy translated the Holy Bible in the 1600s. There's not too many of us that talk like that today. Okay? Stella does, but not too many others. <clears throat> and... Uh, and, and so you, you read the more modern translation. I understand that. That's okay. But let me tell you something, dear ones. The Holy Bible has the answer for life for you. You've got to be committed to that. Here's the second thing. We have to have the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is the real understanding that God sees everything. Nothing is hidden from his eyes. And when nobody else is looking, God is. God is. And God won't let you get away with it. There are consequences. There are consequences. If more men really understood that, there'd be far less men up in the middle of the night looking at pornography on the computer. Okay, maybe your wife and kids aren't seeing, but God's seeing, and you won't get away with it. it, will, it there are consequences. There would be less women who would be having fantasies about other guys because God sees your heart. He knows your heart and, and, he, and you won't get away with it. It will cost you. It will cost you. Those things that you do in secret, when you go buy the bulk food and it says, it's, it's not snack time, this isn't a time to try it, but we do it anyhow. We don't think anybody's gonna catch, you know, God sees that. And God keeps track. And folks, listen, real integrity, real integrity comes out of the fear of the Lord. Who I really am is what I am when nobody's looking. That's, what I, that's who I really am. That's what my heart really is. And when I begin to understand the fear of the Lord and that there are really consequences... Dear ones, that changes life. One of the lessons we're going to study is how do you train the fear of the Lord in your heart and in the heart of your family so that your family lives out of the fear of the Lord. Not out of fear and trembling like you do of a tyrannical dad who's always slapping you around. That's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is a reverence for Almighty God and a recognition. You know what? Life has consequences. And if if I really want to feel good, I do good. And if I do good long enough, my feeler starts catching up with my behavior. It's just wonderful when you develop the fear of the Lord in your heart. I'm serious about the fact that we've got a culture that's going to hell really rapidly. And we don't have to go there with it. We can build an ark, not to become some sort of a weird commune that hangs out and it's just us. Are you kidding me? You know what I wanna do? I wanna live counterculture and then be at Starbucks as often as I can so people will wonder what's wrong with him? How come he's so happy? How come he has a marriage that's lasted 43 years? Did someone ask me that the other day? He's been married 43 years? Yeah. Of course, that was longer than they are old. And they went, how'd you do that? I said, well, it wasn't easy. But if sometime, if you want to know about that, I'd be glad to share with you what made it work. I'll tell you, the first thing that made it work is Jesus was the head of our family. Doesn't, doesn't work from there. You know what I mean? You got to have that. Got to have that. And here's what I want to, how I want to end this. This has been far more informational than anything else today, and I understand that. But there's a reason we're going somewhere as a family together. I want to build an ark here that will be so strong that no family has to blow apart. Doesn't have to. Doesn't have to, folks. Don't have to lose your kids. Don't have to serve God and lose your kids. Do you? Don't have to serve God and lose your kids. i got to tell you, those of you that are younger families, can can I just give you a little clue? There is nothing, there's nothing that feels like being 65 and your kids like you. And they want to hang out with you. And they call you. It gets even better when your daughter-in-law and son-in-laws like you. (laughs) Come on, how many families? They're splintered. It's an amazing thing. Your grandkids love you and can't wait to spend time with you. It's an awesome feeling. It's an awesome feeling when your wife looks at you and goes, I don't get this. Every time the kids call, they go, is dad there? (laughs) How come they don't say, is mom there? (laughs) What a great feeling. Grandkids, they see you and they run up and they give you a hug. What a great feeling. And folks, the sad thing is, in our culture, the way we're doing it right now, there is is a whole generation of families that are going to lose that. And we got to turn it around. Amen? Amen. Stand with me, please. I'm going to ask God.